You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, thank you so much for uh, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to a, a big show today. You all pretty much wrote the show for me today. Uh, I solicited your lineup questions, and, uh, you know, kickoff uh, weekend for football. What football? Everybody wants their baseball questions answered. I got a whole bunch of them. I'm going to get to every single one. Uh, it's not going to be our normal Monday show, though. Unfortunately, uh, Matt Modica is not uh, with us. And uh, just in case you don't, uh, you know, follow Matt on online, you know, on Twitter, you know, or, or somewhere. Uh, very sad news. Uh, for Matt and his family, uh, he found out uh, a week ago that his uh, brother passed away. So um, my condolences to, to Matt and uh, to Matt's family. And uh, so Matt, uh, of course, uh, is not going to be joining us uh, on the show. So, um, so uh, you know, it's uh, horrible to uh, to you know have to uh, deal with something like that. Uh, I can't even imagine what what Matt is going through. So. Uh, anyway, uh, so no, no Matt on the show, uh, but uh, we are going to have a little bit later on um, from uh, Pitcher List. Uh, I'm sure you already know who I'm talking about just by dropping that hint. And from Rotographs, uh, Nick Pollock is going to uh, step in. And uh, a good timing, too, because there are some real dilemmas in terms of uh, starting pitching uh, this week. A lot of dilemmas. That's why I probably got so many uh, Twitter questions. Uh, about your lineups and rotations. So Nick Pollock is going to uh, join us in a little while, about 10 minutes, and help us out with uh, that part of the show. So uh, on we move uh, to the show, and uh, just a few news items of notes and of note, and then we can get to uh, all of the, uh, I guess call it week 24. I've, not, I've, I've avoided the week numbers this year because of the, the season starting on a Thursday. But uh, I'm calling it week 24, or uh, if you want to call it uh, end of the season minus three weeks, whatever works for you. Uh, anyways, a lot of questions for the week coming up. But yeah, let's get to some of these news items. Uh, the White Sox just earlier on Monday activated Jose Abreu. Uh, so he missed about three weeks. He had uh, surgery to deal with uh, some testicular torsion. And uh, that's really all I got to say on that. So I don't... I, I would uh, probably be starting Abreu this week, but if it's a shallow enough league where maybe you have some other options, I'm not exactly sure how the playing time situation is going to work out for Abreu right away. So a little bit of risk there, but uh, Abreu is back. Uh, Aaron Judge, does, don't know when, when he's going to be back, and that, of course, is status quo. The thing that's not really status quo for Aaron Judge, uh, according to MLB.com, uh, Judge is still feeling some pain in his wrist. He does say that he's getting better, but whereas it was pretty much assumed that he was going to take on-field batting practice sometime this week, now really his whole timetable, just even for his next step, is really in question. Judge is still hoping to come back at some point this season, but of course we're down to three weeks now, 
and uh, it doesn't sound like Aaron Judge is particularly close. So obviously do not start him this week. Randall Gritchick, uh, he had concussion tests. Uh, they came back negative, so uh, uh, hit his head on, uh, I actually don't remember exactly, some, some steel object. It uh, looked really bad, but uh, no, uh, at least the tests are showing no concussion for Randall Gritchick, so that's very good news. Uh, that according to MLB.com. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, he, uh, his x-rays came back negative, and um, so it looks like he's good to go to start uh, against the Red Sox this week. In a 12-team league, I, I've, I still have to set my lineups, but I'm really seriously thinking about sitting Noah Syndergaard this week. He's just He's been okay lately, but between uh, dealing with uh, what after effects uh, there might be uh, in, in the rib area or um, just the fact that he's facing a really tough opponent, I, I'm i not feeling terrific about uh, starting uh, Noah Syndergaard. So, um, you know, we'll... Uh, uh, we've got a few hours, I guess, to see if there's any update. I don't really expect there is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think I actually think uh, Syndergaard's kind of a borderline case. And we did get uh, at least, I know, one question about him this week. So we'll talk about him a little bit more later on. One of the minor league call-ups that um, I've been more excited about, and excited is probably too strong a word, it's sort of relative, as I've said on, on previous episodes, I'm just not that excited, period, about the September call-ups. Some of that is just having gotten really uh, worked up about it in past years and being disappointed, but especially once we found out Eloy Jimenez was not coming up. Uh, I, you know, There just weren't many players I really had much interest in, but one of the few is Kristen Stewart, and he is up now. In fact, he made his debut on Sunday for the Tigers uh, as a pinch hitter. So, uh, again, I would think part of the reason I'm, I'm sort of excited about Kristen Stewart is that I would think that there's a playing time opportunity for him in the Tigers outfield. So I would think at minimum that uh, he's somebody who needs to be owned in AL only leagues uh, just, you know, in the event that, uh, you know, that there's more than just, you know, kind of sporadic or semi-regular playing time for uh, for Kristen Stewart. So. Uh, I'll definitely be keeping keeping my eyes on that one uh, for sure. And uh, actually, probably some of the bigger news over the weekend was related to closers. And with three weeks left in the season, I mean, there's still a merry-go-round <laughs> closer going on for a few teams. So the, the Cardinals have made an official change at closer. Uh, Bud Norris is out. Carlos Martinez is in. So it is not Jordan Hicks, who I would say as recently as maybe even Friday, I thought Jordan Hicks was definitely going to be the guy. Uh, and that said, not just in the event that Bud Norris got removed, I was pretty much anticipating that Bud Norris was not going to be the closer for the rest of the season, but just based on usage patterns, I thought it would be Jordan Hicks. But the the one problem here with, with looking at usage patterns is that Martinez hasn't been in the Cardinals bullpen all that long. So uh, it's not really a fair comparison versus Hicks, who's been in that bullpen all season long. So basically, Hicks getting leapfrogged uh, and Martinez getting uh, his uh, second save opportunity in just a few days. He uh, closed on Wednesday when Norris was unavailable. And then after being announced as the official closer, he uh, pitched the ninth inning for the Cardinals against uh, the Tigers. 
uh, in that game. In fact, face, I believe he faced uh, Kristen Stewart in that game. Uh, anyhow, Martinez uh, with a 1-2-3 inning gets the save, his uh, second save, uh, and uh, we can expect uh, more saves from uh, Carlos Martinez. And the thing that I have to say surprised me a little bit, I figured that Martinez was going to be pretty close to universally owned. Uh, so I was really surprised to see again an ESPN. Granted, those tend to be shallower leagues, but he's available, and I think it's around 30% of the leagues on ESPN and even uh, available in a good number of leagues on CBS where the ownership rates tend to be higher. Uh, but in one of my 12-team mixed leagues, Martinez was actually on waivers. I was very surprised to see that. So uh, it's worth checking, worth checking out if you need some saves. I think the odds are that probably uh, you're not going to be able to pick up Carlos Martinez. But again, I didn't expect to see him on waivers in any, any of my leagues, and he was there in one of them. So uh, something something to uh, definitely look into. And Corey Knable, he is back. He has just been outstanding uh, for the last couple of weeks. And um, he is officially now part of, uh, I, I hope I'm not, uh, it doesn't sound like I'm leading it to it. He is now the closer. It's not quite that good news for, uh, for uh, Corey Knable. He is in the closer committee now. So Craig Council said, hey, this is not much of a departure from really how he's rolled most of the season. It looked like Jeremy Jeffress, at least unofficially, had really become the closer there in Milwaukee. Jeffress was unavailable on Sunday, and Knievel did get the save uh, on Sunday against the Giants. In fact, uh, it was a four-out save for Knievel. But, um, so Jeffress was unavailable. But uh, an interesting quote from Craig Council in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, saying, first of all, that it was going to be Jeffress, Knievel, Josh Hader, uh, and Joaquin Soria all in uh, in consideration for saves down the stretch here. So fantasy-wise, that's not great news because you're talking about splitting saves potentially four ways. But the other thing, too, and this is particularly notable for Jeremy Jeffress owners, he said that the reason that Jefferson had been getting so many save opportunities of late really had to do with the matchups and game situations that the Brewers had faced and that, um, you know, going forward, he might foresee a different pattern. Uh, and now I'm, I'm just sort of, uh, you know, uh, I'm not uh, going on direct quote here, but sort of implying from what counsel said that, you know, maybe he's thinking he's not going to use Jeffress as much. Uh, over the next few weeks. So just something to uh, to bear in mind if you've got a share in, in any of those uh, folks in the closer mix uh, for Milwaukee. So uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, in just moments here, we're going to be joined by uh, Nick Pollock of Pitcher List and Rotographs. And the reason that I asked Nick to be on the show was that uh, he wrote a piece on Wade Miley over the weekend. And on Friday's show, I, I talked about all the various two-star pitcher options that I thought were viable. And I had said, that, and there were a lot, there were several, about maybe half a dozen that I thought were really at least decent options and a few that I thought were, were pretty good options. And I put Miley at the top of the list. He's got the, uh, the Cubs and the Pirates this week. And 
it was a very interesting piece, as it always is whenever Nick Pollock opines on pitchers. It's very well researched. It's interesting. There's always cool gifts in there. Uh, so as soon as I saw that come out, uh, I, I had to read it. And it's not the most positive take on Miley. It's not scorching. You know, it's it's not <laughs> it's you know not a, a a totally awful take on Miley, but definitely much more of a uh, of a wet blanket than I was about Miley, at least for the next couple of starts. So I thought, okay, well, let's hash this out. <laughs> let's see if I can get Nick on the show, and uh, we can uh, talk a little bit about Miley and and uh, you know see uh, if either of us can sort of move off our positions a little bit on that. And, and you know, really, you know, the, the point of this is to help me set my lineup. Actually, it's helped, hopefully to help you set your lineups if you picked up Wade Miley or maybe if you have an opportunity to still pick him up before uh, lineups lock uh, Monday evening here. So we're going to talk about some of the other two-star pitchers too. And I know he's chomping at the bit to talk about uh, Joey Lucchese as well. So all of that uh, coming up. Uh, really just moments here. Uh, we'll be talking to Nick Pollock. But um, in fact, we're going to be talking to Nick so soon, it's going to be practically now. So uh, with no further delay, again, as you know him from Pitcher List and from Rotographs, uh, awesome pitcher analyst and fancy analyst in general, Nick Pollock. Nick, thank you so much for coming back on the show. What is happening? Thanks so much for having me again. It was, uh, it was a really nice time last few times I've been here. Yeah, well, I, I hope to keep the streak going. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've really been looking forward to it. I actually just spent a couple of minutes talking about exactly why I, I wanted to have you on the show today. And um, uh, so let's let's get right to it. Uh, Wade Miley, you wrote a fantastic piece uh, about Miley for uh, for Rotographs that everybody should check out before they, they set their rotations. Even if they don't own Wade Miley, Wade Miley uh, they should just read it. Uh, but anyway, so... I did pick up Miley in one league where um, playoffs start next week. I'm right on the edge. I have to win this week. I also need a little bit of help. Uh, and so I'm still on the fence about whether or not to start Miley. So he's got uh, at the Cubs and then in Milwaukee versus the Pirates. Uh, so before we get to the particulars of matchups, what was uh, what's the, the elevator version of your assessment of Miley? Well, okay, it, it's really weird. He has a 2.12 ERA in 12 starts, which I, that just blows my mind. Uh, and this is Wade Miley, a guy who had a 5.61 ERA in 2017, a 5.37 ERA in 2016. Uh, so the quick analysis is that he has that 2.12 ERA, but it comes with a 4.6 Sierra. And you instantly say, okay, you know what? He's punching over his head. It's an 8.3%. Sorry, it's a 6.1% home run fly ball rate. Clearly, that comes that goes up, and then you have the 260 BABIP that's going to go up as well. It's just a guy that's getting really lucky. But the reason why I wrote that piece, and I'm really happy you enjoyed it, thanks for those kind words, uh, is that he actually changed what he's doing. Um, that's always interesting to me. When a guy actually makes significant changes to his approach, to his pitches, and gets results from it, then I want to talk about it. And that's what Miley has done, where he used to throw over 50% four-seamers and sinkers. That was in 2017. This year, he's abandoned those pitches under 25% of the time in his, uh, in his arsenal. Now he goes to cutters 40% of the time instead. And that, was, that was a pitch he barely touched beforehand. And that pitch has a sub-200 batting average allowed, while his fastballs had around a 300 in change. And that's interesting to me. So it, it makes me think that 
you won't necessarily return to that five, six ERA guy. At the same time, I don't really think that this 40% thrown cutter is going to have this sub 200 batting average odds either. So let's say that goes to like 250, 260 or so. That returns to me around a four ERA pitcher. And I think that has some value. So it, it, it was kind of a roller coaster for me thinking, what should we be doing, Miley? And I think there is something to be had. Uh, and going to your, to your discussion about tonight against the Cubs, I, I think that's very questionable. I, I really do think the Cub lineup is amazing. But then again, he gets the Pirates after that later this week. And then the Pirates again following that. And then the Tigers. And those final three starts, those could work out well, even if you are expecting some regression from Miley. Well, okay, and I, I certainly I feel exactly the same way about the matchups. I do, I do worry about the Cubs uh, for Miley, and um, you know, so it might be an issue of that. You know, if you can still pick him up, pick him up. You know, but maybe for the next couple of weeks. Uh, but do you own any anyway, Miley? I actually don't, uh, and it's also the fact that it comes with a sixteen and a half percent K rate that I don't really think is going to go up much. So when you're just chasing, you're hoping that whip stays down. I mean, only has a seven and a half hit per nine, which I really don't think is going to stick around. Um, so I'm really just chasing hopefully a win and a decent ERA on a given day. I generally like to go for guys that can also salvage strikeouts from as well. Uh, yeah, no, and that's understandable. Now, you know, I, I, you know, I get sort of fascinated sometimes with these pitchers like Miley who succeed even with mediocre strikeout rates, just to see if, you know, they, while everybody's chasing, you know, swings and misses and strikeouts, you know, maybe you can get somebody at a bargain who's legitimately sure. good at beating a stat like Sierra or XFIP. Um, just in general, kind of getting away from Miley for at least a second here. Is there mm-hmm. anything in particular that convinces you not to give much weight to, to Sierra in a pitcher's profile? Uh, in general, uh, it really, if they are doing a really good job of inducing, say, a lot of pop-ups or weak ground balls, if I can find that in their profile, that isn't really necessarily integrated with Sierra. I'm not seeing that so much with, with Miley right now. I mean, it's a, it's a .42 homer per nine. It is going to be close to that Sierra. There's no way he's maintaining that. Uh, that Mark has a one homer per nine for his career, for example. You want to make the argument that he is a wildly different pitcher now. That's fair. I kind of show how inside that article, how he's using that cutter with his four-seamer to make his four-seamer even better than before um, and how those pitches are kind of playing off each other. I just still don't see enough here for me to really think, oh, yeah, this guy is just debilitating batters left and right, and Sierra won't understand that. I think there's just a lot of good luck here, and there's just too much risk for me to get too involved with Miley. Yeah. There are two things that intrigue me a little bit. Uh, and one is he's getting a ton of pulled ground balls. He's one of the leaders in the majors uh, in, in terms of that. Um, so that's helping out with the BABIP a bit. Uh, and he's also getting a lot of uh, called strikes on the changeup. So you know, even though he's not getting the swings and misses, like you, you point out in the article, he doesn't really have a great swing and miss pitch. Uh, he has shown an affinity for um, getting the called strike, at least on the changeup. So... I don't know. I, you know, so what comes right down to it, my personal dilemma is uh, whether or not to sit Archer or uh, Syndergaard for him this week. I'm a little bit worried about Syndergaard against Boston and especially with maybe, uh, you know, a, a little bit of soreness after uh, getting hit by the comebacker. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to sort that one out for myself. 
I mean, that, that's a case where I think that if you think you want to chase ratios, you might want to go Miley. If you think you need more strikeout help, then I would go the latter two options. All right. Well, and this is a points league, so. <laughs> so, strike, so, you know, no, I think, but actually that, that, that sort of convinces me to, to go with Miley because strikeouts are less important in, in this particular format. Uh, all right, let's get on to some of these other uh, two-star pitchers. And I know you want to talk about Joey Lucchese, uh, but Alex Cobb, I want to want to uh, put him up on the podium next because actually sure. I see a little bit of similarity with Miley in terms of getting it done more so with soft contact than no contact. Uh, also uh, a, a very split uh, set of starts this week. Scheduled uh, for now on Tuesday, I think there's maybe a little bit of uncertainty uh, with that, uh, because of the hand uh, issue that he's dealing with, but uh, he's got the A's on Tuesday and then uh, Sunday the the White Sox. Um, so uh, how do you feel about uh, Alex Cobb? In fact, uh, Cobb or Miley? If you had to start one, who would you choose? Oh, I trust Miley a little bit more than I do Cobb. I I really don't believe in Cobb. It, it, I understand that uh, you know he totally exists. <laughs> Uh, not in my mind. I just I just gloss over him every time. Uh, no, Saris calls his split changeup the thing, and I've been talking about this since last year on, on my site, Pitcher List, where he used to have this really good split changeup. That was kind of what made him him, you know, comp- mm-hmm. super successful on the Rays, and it's disappeared a lot uh, lately. The second half of last year wasn't really there. wasn't here for the first half of the Orioles, and it has come back a bit lately. At the mm-hmm. same time, even in this really nice seven-game stretch of a 2-5-1 ERA, his whip rates are still really low. It's, a, it's an 8.2% swing strike rate overall, uh, and I don't really want to buy it. It seems like there's a lot more luck going his way during the stretch. It's a 230 percent 90% left on base rate. I, 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 this just screams to me the guy that is going to blow up without anything to give you back as far as strikeout rate, and it's just very close to that teetering seesaw of, is this going to help me or not? I don't really know. I think Miley has a little bit of a better skill set that will allow him to give you more production for this week. All right. How about Mike Miner? At least uh, I think we have to like the matchups and the venues uh, at the Angels, at the Padres. Getting more swings and misses lately, I'm not sure I trust the trend. Uh, so what, what do you think about Miner this week? Oh, man. Miner, I really like Miner. Uh, he gets the, the Angels tonight and then the Padres uh, over the weekend, which is great. Uh, since, since June 16th, this is, uh, this is something that I, I, I talk about as a judgment day. I've been waiting for Miner at the beginning of the year. I gave him until May 15th. I should have waited another month. But since June 16th, he has a 313 ERA and a .9 whip with a 22% K rate. Uh, he's definitely transformed into the pitcher that we kind of were hoping he would be in the preseason. It took a little bit longer than we expected. And his changeup has taken off. It's been an 8-plus P-Val in that time. He throws it at a 45% zone rate with an 18% swing strike rate. That's great. He has this really, really nice secondary pitch to pair with his fastball. I mean, he's kind of cruising with that. Uh, I don't really – I'm not too scared of the Angels offense. I know Tani's doing cool things now. And Trust, obviously, there. But I think he can, I can, he can debilitate them enough that he's worth it, especially with the uh, Padres start later this week. 
All right, and one more uh, sort of uh, transitioning uh, to another Angels uh, topic here. Jaime Berea, he's at home, so again, gets gets the benefit of Angel Stadium uh, against the Rangers and Mariners. Um, He's been a a pretty trendy pickup. Uh, Do you trust him? Kind of. (laughs) I I trust Miner a bit more. Uh, It's it's nice that he's facing the Rangers outside of Arlington. Uh, But, I mean, I think a lot of people would be surprised that Berea has a 330 ERA with a 1-2-3 whip in 22 starts for the entire season. Uh, he has these two good secondary pitches. His slider is close to what I call a money pitch. That is close to uh, 40% O-swing and 40% plus zone rates with over a 15% whiff rate. He has all of that. It's like a 39 in change on his O-swing. And his changeup is also a really nice supplementary third option as well. He has this 11% overall whiff rate too that would speak higher than a 19% K rate normally. The way I do it in my head is about 2 to 2.5 times the, the overall whiff rate should equate to your K rates. So that speaks more to about 22% a little bit higher than that strikeout rate. And his last two starts have been solid against strong teams. He faced the Rangers in Arlington and inside of Houston against the Astros and did well both nights. That slider, though, really, I think a lot of people are undervaluing this. That's an 18 P-Val for the entire season. It's such a good pitch. And I think you wow. can take advantage of the Rangers on a given night. The Mariners, you kind of never know what you're going to get. They feel like a strong <laughs> offense sometimes, and they aren't. Um, it's not the worst gamble if you're looking for two starts this week. I think Berea is a decent play. Yeah, I, I'm so glad to hear you say that about the Mariners because, yeah, I always sort of cringe a bit when, you know, I'll get a, a question about uh, a matchup with the Mariners because I really, yeah, really, I'd say over maybe the last three months or so, I really don't know what to make of them. So right? that's not just me. <laughs> it's, it's actually I do I do my list every Monday where right now I'm ranking actually the opposing offenses from strong to weak and I actually at first messed up and put them both as an average and above average offense because I in my head even subconsciously I was like, are they good are they not I, I really don't know so from now on when somebody asks me a question about Mariners matchup I have to say which Mariners yeah. which, which one are you talking about? the good Mariners or the bad Mariners uh, all right. Well, uh, I know you want to talk about Jolie Lucchese. So, uh, so the, the last pitcher that we'll, uh, we'll tackle for this show, uh, uh, Nick. So uh, what, what should we know about him? I just think he's under-owned. Um, I think he's un- owned in under 25% of leagues, which I think is just absurd. Uh, I know he only has three starts left. It's at Seattle and then two starts against the Giants. But the guy for, you know, the last 12 starts, it's a 27% K rate. 3.3 ERA, 1.24 whip. That's in 12 starts for Joe Lucchese. Is, he has this churve, this change-up curveball. It's, it's, it's a change-up grip that he throws like a curve. It's really weird, but it's very effective with a sub-1 ISO that is a 0.94 on that churve this year. Uh, it's a great pitch, and I think people, you know, it's kind of boring. He's in Padres land, so he doesn't get so much attention. He always has this two-pitch mix, but it kind of works, and I think there are a lot of tall teamers that can definitely benefit from adding Joey Lucchese right now through the stretch against those we don't know Mariners and a very, very hurt and weak Giants lineup. So I, I think I just want to give him more attention because he deserves it. Yeah. Well, those are three great matchups or, or two good matchups. And, and <laughs> two and a half. Know. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, what I'm encouraged by, too, is that he seems to be going a little bit deeper into starts. His, his control has really been all over the map. Uh, so just right. when it seems like he's turning the corner in that regard, um, you know, he sort of reverts. Uh, and that's the thing that's kept me from pursuing him. But, uh, 
yeah, he seems to be on the upswing there as well. So, uh, and in any event, like you say, wildly, wildly underowned. So, um, I think my favorite stat with him is that in his last six games, he's had at least six strikeouts in all of them. Oh, that's great. That's, you know, that makes up for uh, <laughs> any control problem that, that uh, could possibly <laughs> come up. So, uh, well, Nick, uh, I, I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on here and explain uh, Wade Miley and a whole bunch of other uh, pitchers uh, for us. And uh, uh, I'm sure you got lineups to set as well. So uh, anyways, uh, do really appreciate having you on and uh, hope to have, a, have you back again soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, my, my pleasure too, Nick. Take care. So that's uh, Nick Pollock, uh, the proprietor of Pitcher List. I you know I said earlier of Pitcher List. I think I really have to point out he is the the proprietor. It is his site, uh, and in fact, his uh, Twitter handle is at Pitcher List. So uh, you know, find him there, uh, and it's easy to remember. So, and you can also find his great work, as I said, on Rotographs, including this must-read piece on Wade Miley. So hopefully you feel better uh, set to uh, set your rotations. I know I do. Uh, But along those lines, uh, got questions to uh, not only set your rotations, but uh, your whole lineup. So I am going to get right to these. Uh, So here we go. Uh, First, what I'm going to do here is from at Wilco Wacko. Need to start three of Didi, Eduardo Escobar, Donaldson, Wendell, McNeil, Mondesi, uh, those are the options uh, in head-to-head, head-to-head points. And uh, I had a very difficult time with this, and the real dilemma was Josh Donaldson. And so this might be overly conservative. I think that to some extent this, um, I don't know. Uh, in fact, it doesn't say anything here if this is a playoff situation or uh, what the deal is, I would think because it's head-to-head points, it probably it's either playoff situation or on the verge of the playoffs. So I, especially in that situation, I'd be really loath to start Josh Donaldson, given that we don't know exactly when he's going to be back, if he's going to be able to play every day. So even though he's by far the best hitter in this group, I left him out. Uh, and I would recommend that you start Escobar, uh, McNeil, and Mondesi. And I really, really like McNeil this week. Um, uh, Mets have some nice matchups. So, um, yeah, the, I, I, I would, if I had more confidence in Donaldson, it would be him over Mondesi. So, again, uh, you know, if you're kind of testing your own uh, risk aversion, <laughs> your level of risk aversion, uh, maybe, you know, if you, you just feel like you need to start Donaldson, it, to me, Mondesi would be the uh, the odd man out. And then some follow-up questions here. Loriano or Mazzara? Again, I'd go safety with Mazzara here. Uh, plus, he's been hitting all right lately. So I'd go Mazzara over Loriano. And then finally, uh, for an RP slot, Musgrove, Jorge Lopez, uh, who almost had a perfect game on Saturday. And Fromber Valdez, and actually uh, near perfect game notwithstanding, Lopez was the easy one for me to eliminate out of this group. Uh I've got some concerns. I actually talked about this on last week's show. A little bit of concern with the Cardinals matchup for Musgrove, but I still trust him a bit more than Framber Valdez. So I will go Musgrove out of that group. So thank you for the questions. And uh, let's see. We've got from at Henry Howard. Odds on Mike Fires making two starts. Some sites uh, have him for two. Some sites have him for one. 
my ultimate go-to, and I checked a few different sources, uh, Henry, on this one, but my ultimate go-to is what does MLB.com have to say? Because that comes directly from the teams. They're showing fires as the ace starter for um, for Tuesday. So it looks to me like Mike Fires uh, is going to make two starts this week. I, I would uh, feel pretty confident in that. And on the, the flip side of that, some sites are showing Daniel Mengden getting that start on Tuesday. Uh, so if you're kind of amended for two starts, I would not. Uh, moving on uh, from at CW Sox fan. And if you listen to the show a lot, you know that's Craig in Chicago. Uh, Craig wants to know McNeil or Eaton just for Monday through Thursday. And I'm going to uh, repeat what I said just a moment ago. I like the Mets hitter matchups this week. Uh, so I am going with McNeil over Eaton in that one. We have a question here from A underscore Stoltenberg, number 10. Pick one for this week in head-to-head categories. Glassnow versus the Indians. Uh, Felix Pena versus the Rangers. And Desclafani versus the Dodgers. And to me, this is easy. Uh, I like Felix Pena. Uh, I'm not willing to take the risk with Tyler Glass now, who's not been good lately. Uh, Pena's been good and consistently good. And actually, I wrote a, a, a piece on him for Rotograph. So while I'm uh, encouraging you to read uh, Nick Pollock's great work there, <laughs> uh, if you have any uh, questions or interest in Felix Pena, I uh, did a piece on him. And uh, Doing that research really made me feel pretty good about starting Felix Pena. So, yeah, I would take him. We've got another one here uh, at Shark Headed. Do I drop Will Myers for Brandon Nimmo? I'm worried about the weather in New York, but uh, Will has only five games. So, yeah, between uh, relative lack of offense and the short schedule for Will Myers, if it's a league where, you know, say you could get Brandon Nimmo off of waivers and you had to drop somebody, while I'm not really big on the idea of dropping Will Myers, if it's that shallow of a league, I'm good with it um, because I would much rather. And again, this time of year, you're, you know, you're either in a playoff situation or, you know, uh, fighting for, uh, a, you know, your place in the standings in a it's league. I would take that risk of dropping Will Myers and pick up Brandon Nimmo. And as you might have heard, I really like the Mets matchups this week. Okay, uh, definitely I'm looking for ways to not start Will Myers. This one from at Rockhead Fantasy, and that's R-O-K-H-E-D, so I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Pavetta versus Washington, head-to-head categories league. Do I pitch him or ditch him? And same question for uh, Jorge Lopez versus the Twins, which is on Friday. And I say ditch them both. Uh, I really don't trust Lopez. Um, I think that... That uh, definitely was uh, not going to be the typical performance from him that we saw over the weekend. And Pavetta, I've been up and down on him. And if you've listened to the show regularly all season long, you've you've heard me go through my periods where I wax poetic on Pavetta and periods where I just don't trust him. And I'm back to not trusting him. And again, now that it's crunch time, uh, I'm not wanting to take take a risk with Nick Pavetta at all. So um, I'm not sure what the alternatives are here. And whether that leaves you uh, in, a, in a tough spot, ditching both of them. But I really don't trust either Pavetta or Lopez. Uh, and that's, again, Jorge Lopez. I think we've got some Ronaldo Lopez questions on the way. Uh, but this is Jorge. All right. From at the real big BNDG. Okay. Uh, should I start Iglesias or Doolittle in a reliever spot this week? Head-to-head categories. I would definitely go with Doolittle here. 
Um, I'm not concerned by the fact that when he uh, came off the DL this weekend, that Davey Martinez used him in an eighth inning hold situation rather than save him for the ninth inning because that was that um, uh, series with the Cubs with all the rain, uh, in particular one of those doubleheader games where there were so many delays. And Davey Martinez explained afterwards that it sounded like, even though he didn't exactly come out and say this, it sounded like he thought maybe there was a chance the game was going to get called and it wasn't going to get to the ninth inning. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not worried about that. Sounds like David Martinez plans on using Doolittle as a closer, and as such, uh, I like, first of all, the Nationals' chances of getting save opportunities better than the Reds, and I like Doolittle just as a pitcher much, much better than Iglesias, and Doolittle looked pretty good on Saturday to boot. From BW 952 can I start godly at Colorado and Houston? Uh, I would not recommend it. So, no. In fact, uh, I talked about this at length on Friday's show. Uh, th- and I talked about him and uh, Zach Granke. And it makes me, those these matchups actually make me a little bit nervous for Zach Granke, who's been giving up a ton of homers. But while I would go ahead and take the risk with Granke, I see no reason to take the risk with Godley, who's just not been very good lately. So, I say no to Godley with the two starts. And then uh, also follow-up question here, pick two of uh, Heaney, Glasnow, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, there we go, and um, Luis Castillo. This is really tough, really tough. Now, Glasnow is the really easy one for me to eliminate here. Heaney's been very inconsistent. Castillo's been very inconsistent. I like the underlying numbers for Castillo, even though the results have not been that great. Lopez has had four very good starts in a row, but I'm just not sure that, uh, again, I can really trust it with with the relatively small sample. Uh, Lopez gets the Orioles in Baltimore, and while that's not necessarily a a matchup that scares me, I just don't love uh, seeing Lopez against a team that does have the the ability to hit for some power uh, in in a small ballpark. So I actually would Heaney, I, I you know lean towards the side of trusting, even though when he's bad he tends to be really bad. Uh, but I would go with uh, Heaney and Castillo here. Uh, Heaney, by the way, he's got the the Mariners, which is uh, just a great matchup for him, or or a not very good matchup for him. And uh, let's see, Luis Castillo, he's got the Dodgers, which is not a terrific matchup, but uh, of, the, of the four, I actually trust him the most. So he and Castillo. And we move on uh, from at K Gannon, one seven, Smoke, Voigt, or Daniel Murphy at first base in a head-to-head points league and no negatives for Ks. Uh, so that would certainly boost Voigt a little bit since we don't have to worry about strikeouts. But I would actually just go with Murphy. And again, some of that is really uh, shaped by uh, it being the third to last week of the season. And with Voight cooling off just a little bit, I worry that maybe it's a bad week for him. Whereas I do trust the consistency of Daniel Murphy quite a bit more. Uh, so, And I just think that uh, he's a superior option. I actually think right now they're both superior options to Justin Smoke. So for me, it's pretty easy. Daniel Murphy. Uh, so good luck there. We move on to go 22 RD Brad killer and Roark. Are they still two star pitchers? I actually, I think I talked about the situation with Keller 
uh, on Friday's show, and Keller did not at that point look like a two-star pitcher, and now he is definitely now officially not going to have two starts. Roark, as of right now, will get two starts, so no for Keller, yes for Roark. And um, also, uh, Go22RD followed up with a question, but I hadn't seen this one before the show. Scooter or LeMahieu this week? I'm going to probably, well, I'm going to have to look look at that one, uh, actually, because uh, that matchups are going to be important for that one. So uh, stick around. Uh, I will get that one on Twitter. Got just a few more here. Uh, at McRudder is asking... Brandon Nimmo or Luke Voigt this week. I'm seeing some recurring themes here. Uh, oh, this is one actually I also didn't see before the show. But uh, I would actually, that, that one's easy because, like I said, I have some concerns that Voigt's cooling off. Nimmo's hitting well, has the good matchups. Uh, so I'm going Nimmo over Voigt and Godly with two starts or Syndergaard with one. That's a toughie uh, because, like I said, I worry about both of them. I worry less about Syndergaard, even against the Red Sox. I just have no faith in Zach Godley to not have two bad starts this week. So I would go Syndergaard with one. Uh, all right. So let's see. I think we've got just one more. Picked up Leak to start against the Padres, but now he's got the Angels. Do I think he's still worth trusting? Uh, so there's an issue here in terms of using up a, a, a transaction. But um, I'm not even totally sure I would have trusted Mike Leak. Uh, against the Padres. So not that I think that the Angels are a, a totally fearsome matchup, but I think significantly more so than the Padres. So yeah, Mike Leake, I, I really need a great matchup to have confidence in, in him, especially during crunch time. So um, so yeah, I would say no to Mike Leake. It's worth uh, using that move, I would say, rather than getting you know potentially a bad start from Mike Leake. So anyways, Thank you for all the questions. Uh, really appreciate it, and I hope that the responses uh, are helpful. And even to those of you who uh, didn't have a question, uh, I hope that uh, maybe it's helpful because there's a lot of players there uh, among those questions who I think really uh, pose a, a lot of dilemmas uh, for us this week. Now, I'm going to uh, get a little bit more micro here instead of looking at the whole week. Just going to look at Monday's slate here, and particularly I'm going to look at the weather because there are a couple of games in the Northeast that are very worrisome in, in terms of the weather, uh, particularly Marlins-Mets. Is Jacob deGrom ever going get, to get to start again? Uh, he got pushed back because of the weather once, and now uh, the Mets are looking at a 91% chance of precipitation at game time at City Field against the Marlins, and it looks like for several hours it's going to hover right around 90, 95% chance of precipitation. That looks really bad. Uh, and Philly's hosting the Nationals, a little bit better there, 35% chance, uh, but actually going up slightly for the next uh, two or three hours after that. So those are two uh, two games where uh, your your lineups might require a little bit of review as you get closer to, uh, to lineup lock time. Okay, so just going to wind things up here with a few performances from, uh, from Sunday. Uh, actually, uh, on another show, I probably would spend a little bit more time on that, but, uh, with so many great questions, uh, on Twitter to, to get to, and, and Nick's great analysis from earlier in the show, uh, I'm just going to focus on a few players. Uh, and frankly, there's not that much here. That's really super impactful, but I do at least try to mention when players hit multiple homers and Charlie Blackman did that on Sunday, homers number 25 and 26, 
uh, as part of a three for four game against the Dodgers. And this one actually, it's it's maybe worth the mention. Uh, granted, uh, Blackman is a top ten outfielder as we all expected him to be, uh, but not a whole lot of production in August. So he is starting to come out of something of an extended funk. Uh, I think you're talking about super shallow leagues where he'd even be thinking about benching him. So this is probably not really a newsworthy item for, you know, the vast majority of people. But have it be said that uh, Blackman now has three homers in the last two games. Seems to be out of his funk. Uh, So there you have it. Uh, Justin Turner with a big game, four for five, including his 13th home run. Uh, that was a Coors Field, but that's not just a Coors Field uh, hot hot streak or or a good game for Justin Turner. Uh, he's been red hot uh, of late. Uh, and then a couple of Rays, and, and these are probably players that are going to be a little bit more impactful in terms of your, uh, your roster, your lineup decisions. Brandon Lau is reminding me, this is going to sound a little odd, so I'm going to qualify and explain exactly what I mean by this. But he's making me think about Alex Bregman. And the reason is, and he was actually making me think about Alex Bregman like a week after he got called up. And I don't know if some of you know where I'm going with this, but when Bregman got called up two years ago, made his debut with the Astros, for a couple weeks, I think it was like two and a half weeks, he did not hit anything. He had he was like a one four or two for something like a two for forty kind of thing, uh, and then he he busted out. Uh, we're seeing a very similar pattern from Brandon Lau right now. Uh, really didn't do anything for uh, his first uh, let's say couple of weeks, and I know this because I picked him up right before he got called up in in a few leagues, and. Yeah, so uh, debuted on August 5th, and through August 23rd, so two and a half weeks, which I think is very similar to that Bregman uh, ice-cold debut. Through the 23rd, he was hitting 135 with a 162 slugging, and now he is up to a 260 batting average with a 479 slugging. So basically all that Brandon Lau has done for the last like two and a half, three weeks is just hit, hit, hit. Uh, he homered on Sunday. Uh, that was his only hit, but that's already his third homer of September, just nine, nine days in the month with his third homer of the month. So he has been red hot. So uh, and he's out there. He's out there still, uh, and I picked him back up. Now, I dropped him. I picked him up in a few leagues. The only league I was able to get him back in was a great fantasy baseball invitational. So I was glad for that. Um, but if he's he's out there, uh, you know, something to, to look into. And Malik Smith, a uh, very encouraging sign from him, just a few games back from the DL, and he had a three-hit game on Sunday and also stole his 31st base. So if you had any worries about Malik Smith and getting him back in your lineup for this week, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, so, uh, you know, certainly somebody you want for for steals at the minimum, but was hitting really, really well before he did go on the DL. So, and, uh, you know, some concern there because he uh, was very, very sick with an infection. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think he is uh, showing that he is back to, uh, I w- would think, 100% or very, very close to it. So, anyhow, that is it. For uh, this Monday edition of Fantasy Baseball Hour, I will be back on Wednesday. Uh, so look for uh, for a new uh, show.
coming up on Wednesday. And um, should be a good one. It's getting, you know, it's getting down. Last three weeks here, getting down to the nitty gritty. So anyways, thank you so much for listening. Best of luck to you this week. And I will see you again, I hope, on Wednesday. I will be here. Take care, everyone.